I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 13 Preview Edition. I'm your host at Javna87, Jack Kavanaugh. We are back once again. But this time we don't have any Thursday night football for us to recap. Such a shame. But this also means that the last week of the regular season for many of our leagues means it's much more important that we get you the advice that you need. So with our many, many of our seasons on the line, we welcome back the important nonsense start sit star, the waiver wire wizard. It's at that FF nerd. It's Jason Draven. Jason, it's a pleasure to be speaking to you once again. How are we feeling heading into week 13? Well, the Wednesday game definitely wore me out. I hate not having a Thursday game because I didn't know what to do with myself yesterday. And so I started messing around with different ideas of what we could potentially get ready for in the upcoming weeks or maybe next year. We'll see how it ends up coming to fruition, I guess, at this point. But I'm pretty excited. This week's going to be interesting because we are still going to be waiting on the Ravens. It's a huge mess, so it'll be definitely interesting to see for sure moving forward. At least it's only Tuesday night football that we have to wait for this week, but I agree. It just totally threw my week off with the Wednesday. Like I feel like I'm a day behind all week. It's weird, but be sure to follow Jason everywhere at that FF nerd, especially if you're a playoff team, because the amount of time this man puts into answering questions is phenomenal. I don't know where he gets the energy, although I kind of feel the same way about our other co-hosts, so maybe I'm just the lower energy one here. Anyways, please welcome in the always exciting, the always informative, the incredible at Donald McJordan. It's Jordan McDonald. Jordan, my friend, how's it going as we get ready to close out the regular season? Well, Jack, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not great, at least for me, because of my fantasy teams. I have two teams on the brink of elimination. I need They're both must-wins, and I'm worried about them because of the inconvenient bye weeks by the Panthers and the Buccaneers, which are two fantasy teams rife with production, and I'm losing players there, and I have injuries to Josh Jacobs. We're going to get into it. Please stop me before I go on a rant. Oh, you poor guy. I am so sorry to hear that. No Teddy Bridgewater, no Tommy Brady, no Gronk. It's just a complete mess in the NFC South. So pour one out for all those GMs that needed those guys to make the playoffs. But anyways, be sure to follow Jordan at Donald McJordan because he is really sad. It sounds like he could probably use a couple more follows. Plus, you'll get to take advantage of all the knowledge dripping from his brain and get to enjoy the occasional Colts rage. And be sure to follow along with the work of all the incredible, beautiful minds over at importantnonsense.com and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. But enough about us. It's time to get down to the nitty-gritty and let's get to the show. So since we don't have Thursday Night Football this week, we'll skip the recap. Be sure to tune in next week as we break down the Super Bowl 53 rematch between the Los Angeles Rams and the New England Patriots. In the meantime, though, we'll get to the news. Khalil Mack, he did not participate in practice Wednesday or Thursday with a back injury. Apparently, though, this is precautionary. So Matthew Stafford is still going to get beat to a pulp while dealing with these torn ligaments in his thumb. Poor guy. Keem Hicks, he's also back at practice in a limited fashion. So if he and Mack are active, the Bears' D is going to dominate. 
just end the season already for Detroit. I feel so bad for them. And speaking of the Lions, they did place D-tackle Danny Shelton and cornerback Desmond Trufant on IR, likely ending their season. So terrible defense gets even worse. The Saints will be without cornerback Janoris Jenkins. He's out with a knee injury that he suffered on that pick. Kendall Hilton last week. What a brutal game. But terrible to injure yourself in that fashion. We also saw Marcus Davenport placed in the concussion protocol on Thursday, and he's going to be out this weekend as well. So when the Faints, Saints faced the Falcons two weeks ago, Davenport himself had three total pressures. Big loss to them, but the good news is the Saints still had 28 pressures in that game. So probably a safe bet if you're playing them. Just not quite a sure thing. Carlos Dunlap, he's kind of regenerated the Seahawks defense. They've looked completely different as of late. He himself, three and a half sacks in just four games. He's set to be a game-time decision against the Giants. That's scary to hear. So with all of that defensive news to take in, Jason, what are we doing if we don't know who to play on defense this week? Yeah, unfortunately... People are listening to me, which has made this week even tougher than I expected. I had the Chiefs so lined up and ready for you guys, but they are over 50% owned. So I guess I'm going to have to stay in the AFC West and go with the Raiders here. I know, not the prettiest thing, but they have been fairly decent overall. They get the Jets. And I mean, overall, granted, last week was a little iffy because I don't know what happened to their offense, but it completely disappeared. I think that's just... uh consequence of them playing the Chiefs the week before they just get too tired and forget what they're doing so with that in mind I mean they get the Jets and if you're looking for playoffs I am definitely looking at the Cardinals who get the Rams Giants and Eagles the next three weeks just saying you know what like they were terrible against the Falcons last week but I think we can expect more of a performance like two, three weeks ago when they faced the Broncos. Raiders picked Drew Locke off four times. We all know Drew Locke stinks. Sam Darnold is worse than Joe Flaney Flacco, and the Jets stink. So play the Raiders, yeah. And also the Cardinals are just straight up underrated, so I am fine playing them anytime pretty much. Anyways, that will take us into quarterbacks. John Harbaugh will not comment on the return to play of Lamar Jackson and other Ravens affected by COVID-19. It's just being practical. It's understandable. They don't want to speculate on such matters. In the meantime, though, Robert Griffin III, who played against the Steelers, was placed on IR with a hamstring injury, which means if we are without Lamar Jackson, former Penn State quarterback who shared the backfield with Saquon Barkley, Trace McSorley, will be the starter. And if Lamar plays, he will be the backup. Kyler Murray has been upgraded to full after dealing with a sprained sh- throwing shoulder, so that's good to hear. Murray's opponent last week, Cam Newton, was limited with an abdominal injury and is listed as questionable ahead of the weekend. He says he is playing, so expect him to be a vulture when he steals a rushing touchdown from Damian Harris against the Chargers. And speaking of people beating the Chargers, which Cam Newton is absolutely going to do on Sunday, the guy who beat them last week, Josh Allen, is dealing with knee and ankle injuries that he suffered in that game. Joey Bosa tried to tackle him, and as Joey Bosa says, he's effing huge, so awkward sack has him a little bit banged up. Still expecting to see MVP Josh Allen against the 49ers, though, instead of the slump Josh Allen. Hey, you guys need to be nicer to my Chargers here, okay? Talk about a team that is actually bad. They are actually bad. They are terrible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Herbert is awesome. And our defense is slowly coming back together. As you see, Joey Bosa is already hurting people. So that's not not good. Anyways, 
Chargers stink. Justin Herbert's the only good thing about that. Well, and his weapons. The the pass catchers and Justin Herbert are the only good thing there. Anyways, moving on from the terrible Chargers, Jason. I hate that you made us spend time on them. Nick Foles practicing in full, cleared to play on Sunday. He's going to back up Mitchell Trubisky in a performance-based move because Trubisky has now thrown three touchdowns against the Lions in four straight games, and he's only thrown one pick in that time. The definition of the perfect streamer, Mitchell Trubisky. Daniel Jones isn't practicing with his hamstring injury and is officially listed as doubtful heading into this weekend, but we all know this is going to be a Colt McCoy start. Most of the Giants are avoidable, except for possibly Evan Ingram for at least once this season. Can't believe I'm saying it. He balled out last week to the tune of six receptions, 129 yards with Colt, with Colt McCoy and Daniel Jones under center. Tua Tagovailoa remains limited all week with his thumb injury, and Ian Rappaport is reporting there's a real possibility we see another star from Ryan Fitzmagic and another revenge game against the Bengals. Oh, I genuinely forgot he played for the Bengals. That is a revenge game. Love that narrative. We're going to move into running backs, though. The Colts have activated Jonathan Taylor from the reserve slash COVID list. Jordan Wilkins was pretty unimpressive last week. So get ready to see Jonathan Taylor carve the Houston Texans. Speaking of, David Johnson is back at practice following the concussion when he was placed on IR. Reportedly looks great, according to offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. He'll be back to his regular spot as RB1. Duke Johnson will be relegated to the background. CJ Prozice, who scored a touchdown last week against the Lions on Turkey Day, is out with a non-COVID-related illness. Yeah, but when you look at this backfield, since they just lost Fuller, I could actually see them both being used as potential wide receivers and actually playing them both. So that's kind of interesting to me because of the fact that you don't know what kind of package you're going to have or if Aiken's going to be the one who ends up taking over for Fuller. It's going to be an interesting week seeing how Watson decides who he's going to throw to. Well, Jason, they are playing the greatest defense ever to ever exist in the world, so I don't think... Okay, Jordan. Okay. (laughs) Jason could be a homer and I can't? What is this? You can both be homers. I'm just going to make fun of you when you are. (laughs) Fair enough. Because Ravens are so good. Yeah, they are. Deal with it. Okay, getting back on track. Kareem Hunt was limited Wednesday with a thigh injury. We've seen him banged up throughout the whole year, but expect him to continue chugging along as second fiddle to Nick Chubb. Tevin Coleman is a full go after spending time in IR with a knee injury. He'll join a group of backs with Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Jerick McKinnon, and a crowded backfield that fancy managers have grown frustrated to see because besides Mostert, All of these guys cannot be relied upon each week because the distribution of carries is just so random. I am still of the opinion that Raheem Mostert is Raheem must start. Moving on to the Vikings, though. Dalvin Cook limited Wednesday and Thursday with the ankle injury. He's beat up, admittedly, but he did practice in full. He is going to play against the Jaguars full send. Yeah, I'm not quite so sure on that. I mean, I'm glad that he's going to be playing, but I could really see them limiting his touches and actually letting... Cousins do some work, so I'm more excited for the pass catchers in this game, especially since Thielen getting so pumped up. If you didn't see his video, oh man, it was like a kid just so celebrating for his team and just a funny little video that you guys have to see that's a unique moment from him. And so I'm really excited for Cousins. I think that this week's going to be good for him and Thielen, especially who hogs all of the red zone targets. I'll be sure to check that out. Thielen is, even after missing last week, he is still second in the NFL in receiving touchdowns. Just absolutely phenomenal. 
in Seattle. Chris Carson is limited Wednesday, Thursday with the foot. He is expected to play according to Pete Carroll. Meanwhile, Carlos Hyde went from limited Wednesday to out on Thursday with a toe injury. But again, Pete Carroll does expect him to play. Meanwhile, Travis Homer, he missed practice this week with a wrist, thumb, and knee injury and probably won't play. So just like high school, the injuries in Seattle's backfield never end. Yeah, yeah. More importantly, it's at this point you have to realize Rashad Penny is eligible to come off of IR. It's something you guys need to look at and potentially grab to stash because clearly there's too many injuries going on in this backfield. In for a penny, in for a pound, right, Jason? (laughs) Nice. Todd Gurley was back to practicing this week after missing week 12 with a knee injury. He's listed as questionable, but unfortunately... He is expected to play, so tread with caution if you're a girly fantasy manager that is forced to play him. And speaking about being over the hill, I guess we can say rest in peace to the Brian Hill and to the Edo Smith experiment. They don't seem to have any value if Gurley is leading this backfield. Have we not already been fooled enough? This whole backfield is just trash. Gurley was touchdown dependent. Pretty much any running back you have here, they have to get a touchdown to be have any kind of value, and it's just not worth it. Yeah, trusting the Falcons' backfield is like trusting you to land a funny joke, Jordan. They are all dad jokes, all terrible. Anyways, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was held out of Thursday and Friday with a non-COVID-related illness, reportedly having some tummy issues, and is officially questionable for the weekend. So if CEH is out, is Bell in our lineups? I, I hate that I have to say this, but it's his best opportunity to reward his fantasy managers if they haven't throw him to the wayside already to finally do something. I know when he got sought, when he signed with the, the chiefs, it, it seemed like he was going to get all this work and steal from CH. That hasn't been the case. It's been absolutely obsolete when CH is in the lineup, but yeah, I would advocate to start him if he is the lead back, just because he's, he is a running back in Andy Reid's offense. And that has a lot of value. Well, and he actually still has good vision. You can still see he's that plotter who will sit behind the line Try and find a hole. And if he doesn't, he's just going to charge forward to get you some yards. It's not anything spectacular, but he's definitely going to be the back that you want and could potentially find the end zone. We'll end up seeing if he's any value, but it's tough to trust anybody outside of the pass catchers because Mahomes just likes to throw it and looks good doing it. So let him do it. I honestly think, like Jordan said, it's now or never for Le'Veon Bell. If he doesn't prove, if, if CH sits, that's a big if, remind you, if he sits and Bell plays and he doesn't perform, that's it. His, I think he's done. He's done in the league. Anyways, moving on from that, in more rookie news, J.K. Dobbins has been activated from the reserve slash COVID-19 list. He will play against the Cowboys. He'll also have his new starting center back, Patrick McCarry, and former starting center who was benched, Matt Skura, as they've both been activated from the reserve slash COVID-19 list. Mark Ingram has been yet, yet to be activated yet, so keep an eye on him for Saturday or Sunday. That's when Lamar Jackson can return as well as Sunday afternoon. In the Dolphins' backfield, Matt Breida has been placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list and will not play in Week 13. Miles Gaskin is practicing, but we're not sure how much because when you're not activated, they don't have to give us full updates on the practice report. So Brian Flores, I'm kind of learning, is a bit of a jerk with information. He really likes to play it close to the chest. So when he got pressed on it, he said he's going to ask the GM. GM's going to decide if Gaskins will play. ESPN's Cameron Wolf apparently asked the GM, Chris Greer. He says Gaskin is trending towards playing. 
So hopefully that happens because Salvin Ahmed is still limited with Thursday and Wednesday and Thursday and missed Friday with the shoulder injury, officially doubtful, as is DeAndre Washington. He hasn't practiced at all this week with a hamstring. So as it stands, we know we have Patrick Laird and maybe, but probably, Miles Gaskin. No backs on the practice squad either. So could we be looking at more carries for the running back slash wide receiver and former Navy quarterback Malcolm Perry? Or what about slot receiver and former Raiders running back and former Kentucky quarterback and former Kentucky receiver? Just jack of all trades, Lynn Bowden. Jack of all trades, master of none. But I, we haven't seen Bowden play, so I don't want to plead disparage him. We, we probably might see some trick plays with these guys. None of them are worth rostering, though, or even starting. But let me just say something, guys. Justice for Jordan Howard. The guy was thrown to the wayside, and now he's rotting on the Eagles practice squad. Probably could have used him this week, especially with Miles Gaskin. You might have to rely on him a little bit more than you really need to come back from injury. But if he starts, it's going to be a little bit of a risk to start him, but he's the only one that you should even consider starting. Because I guess, and according to, to Jack, Patrick Laird is dead to him. And if he's dead to Jack, then he's dead to everybody in the fantasy community. Yeah, and let's be realistic here. I mean, at this point, you're really just expecting that Gaston's going to play. He's turning the right way. He's going to be the back, and he's going to be the one who does all the work. Now, I'll be interested to see with when Ahmed comes back if he's actually going to be part of it or if it's still going to be just Gaskins taking the full load. It'll be interesting to see. So I'm pretty pumped to see what these two backs can end up doing. I just really, really want Miles Gaskin back. I'm so excited for that. He is just going to guide any of my remaining fantasy teams that have him to the fantasy championship. Philip Lindsay missed Wednesday and was limited Thursday and Friday with a knee injury that he aggravated against the Saints. So that means he is officially questionable for the weekend. Kalen Balazs was limited Wednesday and Thursday with the ankle injury that kept him out of Week 12, but he did return in full on Friday. Unfortunately, Anthony Lynn is known for making very bad decisions and will probably make Balazs the RB2 and relegate Josh Kelly. But the good news is, is that Austin Eckler is the official bell cow, bell cow again. 25 touches, which included 11 receptions for 129 yards from scrimmage. And hopefully we don't see a lot of Jason's best friend, Caleb Lodge. Yeah, but man, Eckler looked so good last week. I was pumped to see him back. And really, I do think it will end up being Caleb Lodge helping him out when he needs that rest. And so this is going to be interesting. I'm, I'm excited for Eckler to just keep doing his work. I really hope they don't change the offense to focus around him like they did last week because it clearly was not a winning recipe. No, it was not at all. They, they've been doing that all year with the running backs, just feeding them, and it's been a little bit sketchy. In Detroit, though, DeAndre Swift was cleared from concussion protocol by an independent neurospecialist. However, Adrian Peterson was quoted the same day he was cleared, saying that Swift hasn't been right since suffering the concussion, hasn't had the same energy, and so Swift then missed Thursday and Friday's practice with an illness. So the interim head coach, uh, Daryl Bevel, he says there will be a small number of packages of plays if Swift is active. So to me, that translates to he's probably out, but if he does play this week, he's not startable in fantasy, which is a damn shame for the next Alvin Kamara. Same thing for the Raiders, though. Josh Jacobs, he's going to be out this week with an ankle injury, not even making the trip to New York. Apparently, according to Gruden, the injury looks worse than it is. That's great because some Twitter doctors seem to think it's the dreaded high ankle. Fingers crossed. Let's hope it's a one-week thing. But as long as Jacobs is out, Devontae Booker is going to be a back-end RB1 conversation. Last year, with 
DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard on the roster, and Jacobs was out. Washington had 14, 23, and 17 carries. Finishes the RB9, the RB11, and the RB9. That is fantastic. So we've already seen Devontae Booker finish as the RB15 and as the RB8 this season, and that was with splitting time with Jacobs. So if Jacobs misses significant time, Devontae Booker could be a league winner. Yeah, and I mean, you, like you said, it's been amazing to see Booker like show signs of life. And if he's available, you need to pick him up. I ran out the second I saw this news to pick him up in every league I could. So definitely potential if Jacob is normal next week. But we'll just end up seeing how it goes. And that's going to finish up running back. So now that we've wrapped up the most important position in fantasy, that's underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and a word from our sponsors. We are back and into the wide receivers, and the Vikings do expect Adam Thielen to return from the reserves ready to against the Jaguars. And speaking of Duval, DJ Chark and Chris Conley were limited Wednesday and Thursday. Chark has a rib injury. Conley has a foot injury. They kept him out of week 12. Chark has been cleared in full on Friday, so he'll be back to aid daddy long neck Mike Glennon as he makes his second consecutive start. While Conley remains questionable, but even without the two last week, Mike Glennon's 11.3 ADOT was tied for first among quarterbacks in the NFL for the whole season. Shockingly enough, with Joe flinging Flacco, that really surprised me. But anyways, last week, it was just Colin Johnson that was benefiting. He went from 96 yards and a score on four grabs, eight targets. So with the full stable of receivers, I think we might be looking at a sneaky shootout between the Jags and the Vikings. I'm really excited for this one, and I did not expect to say that. Yeah, and I think that actually... DJ Shark is going to be the one who ends up being the beneficiary of Colin Johnson and the deep targets that Mike Glenn is going to throw because I think that he is a better wide receiver and we'll get to see it. So I am pumped for this and I think that it could be a big day for both of them. And a little bit of breaking news. The Lions have released Marvin Hall. What? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So the, the reason why is the team wants to give their younger guys a look, whatever that means. Actually, you know what that means? Well, it doesn't mean that it's going to be Travis Fulgham, right, Jack? He is one of the younger guys. He's, he's so much younger than Amendola and Marvin. Oh, what are they doing? Oh, my goodness. This is me tilting live. I just found that out live on, on the podcast. So that's great. Thank you for breaking that, Jordan. Don't I just worry. think they're giving up at this point. Let's be honest. <laughs> they don't care anymore. <laughs> On a some brighter news, Brandon Ayuk has been activated from the reserve COVID list and is practicing in full. Debo Samuel is has been given a rest day Thursday. He was an IR with hamstring injury before dominating against the Rams, and he was back on full on Friday. So, with Ayuk, D- Debo, and Kittle, 2021 is going to be a it's going to be fun for whoever that quarterback is going to be. Personally, I hope it's Matt Ryan because I think he will flourish in the Shanahan offense like he did before. But who do you guys want to see if they move on from Jimmy G? Uh, Sam Darnold. I think he's one of the most available options and will probably be pretty cheap. Who do I want? I want Matt Ryan. Who do I expect? I could see it being someone like Cam Newton. Imagine him in that play action offense. Ugh. Anyways, moving on to the Saints. Michael Thomas is limited with an ankle injury Thursday. Was removed from the injury report on Friday. Too bad it is still... Taysom, the scrambling tight end at quarterback yet again. Yeah, but just remember, Michael Thomas, the last time out against the Falcons with Taysom Hill, nine receptions, 104 yards. I'm just saying, you got to love that. 
you do have to love that. So we will see what Taysom can do. You can't love A.J. Brown not practicing on Thursday. And usually, you know, I keep saying this isn't a worry. But this week, he's also listed with a hip, not just the regular rest day for the knee. Fortunately, he's going to play. And it's still A.J. Brown's season. We don't have to worry about that. The man is a monster. And his teammate, Adam Humphreys, he is now practicing in full after the concussion he suffered in early November. And he's going to play as well. So those two and Corey Davis will not have to deal with Brown's CB1 Denzel Ward. He's out with a calf injury. So let's see this Tennessee Titans offense cook. Terry McLaurin is still listening as questionable with the ankle injury against the Steelers, despite practicing in full all week. But it just sounds like the team is doing their due diligence in reporting this, because we all know that Terry's still going to get fed targets as per usual, because that's what he does. Calvin Ridley is limited with the foot and ankle injury Thursday. Julio did not practice Thursday with his hamstring and came back limited on Friday, but he says he feels pretty good. Too bad I don't believe Julio because you've been saying that all year and you've looked gimpy in every game you played. So if you need some time off, you know, it's okay. As a Ridley fantasy manager, I'm okay with that. Fellow Falcons receiver and Jack's favorite player, Olamide Zacchaeus, sorry if I mispronounced that, was placed on IR with a toe injury. So prayers to him, Jack. I know that that's devastating for you. It's Olamide Zacchaeus, and he deserves better. And this, I, all my sleeper guys, Marvin Hall, Olamide Zacchaeus, you're all breaking my heart right now. Such a sad, sad Friday night. Anyways, the Chicago Bears, Allen Robinson tweaked his knee in practice this week, was reportedly removed from practice for his safety. And that's because the Bears literally cannot afford to lose him. A-Rob is officially questionable versus the Lions, expected to play, and should catch at least one of Mitch Trubisky's three touchdown passes because he's going to make it five straight games that he throws three touchdown passes against the Lions. It's just going to happen through that bad. Anyways, Jer Jerry Judy, limited this week with the ankle injury that's plagued him for weeks now, officially questionable, is going to play. Darius Slayton was limited Wednesday with a shoulder and foot injury, while his teammate Sterling Shepard was limited with a toe and shoulder injury. Both are probably going to suffer against Colt McCoy, so tread with caution with those guys. Rashad Perriman was limited Wednesday with a shoulder injury, but it seems like he's always banged up, but he is still playing. Alan Lazard was limited Wednesday as he comes back from the core injury. Remember, the Packers training staff, super conservative. They just like to take it easy on these players. Meanwhile, Nelson Aguilar didn't participate in practice Wednesday or Thursday with an ankle injury. A lot of ankle injuries in Vegas. Keep an eye on that one. I'm not sure how that one's going to play out. Moving on to players that are out this week. Kenny Galladay didn't practice with a hip injury all week and was officially ruled out Friday. Guys, I want to refund on all my Kenny Galladay draft picks this season. You know what? I don't, I'm not mad at Kenny Galladay himself. You know, injuries happen, but I am a little frustrated. But that's my fault for drafting a Lions player so early. But don't worry, guys. Danny Amendola, he practiced in full, and he will be playing this week if you're into that sort of thing. But, I mean, he'll be taking all those Marvin Hall targets, apparently. Woo! Yay! Gary Fitzgerald remains on the reserve slash COVID-19 list. Cliff Kingsbury is unsure if and when he'll return, if it will be this week. So while he's out, Andy Isabella will see an uptick in snaps should he miss. But for some reason, Cliff Kingsbury refuses to let Andy Isabella do anything. He's still only one play a week, or one play away from a week winning performance in DFS each and every week. But Cliff just won't do it. It sucks. 
The Browns wide receiver three, Kaderil Hodge, is out this week after injuring his hamstring in practice Thursday. So, more targets for Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. Woohoo! The Bengals pay, placed Autumn Tate on IR with a shoulder injury. Josh Gordon has been reinstated by the NFL and will be able to return for Week 16, the Fantasy Championships. This is a great real-life story. I'm very happy for Josh Gordon. Love to see him conquer his demons and face his addictions head-on. However, under no circumstances should you play Josh Gordon with your fantasy championship on the line. We will remind you of that closer, too, but you can't count on that. ESPN's Cameron Wolf said that there's no guarantee that we see Preston Williams again this season. Williams is currently on the shelf with a foot sprain, and that's just so sad to see because he's going to be the wide receiver one in Miami soon enough. Moving on to tight ends, Jonu Smith does not practice Wednesday or Thursday with the knee injury that caused him to not draw a target against the Colts, and now he's been ruled out on Friday. Pour one out for Jonu. Hate to see that. Yeah, it's very sad to hear, but some good news if this is something that you're into. The Eagles activated, finally activated. Zach Ertz off IR from the high ankle sprain. We'll see if he'll have any value. Maybe he'll revamp this struggling uh, Philly offense, but that remains to be seen. I unfortunately think too many people are going to be in on Zach Ertz and think that he's going to save their team. It's not going to happen. Dallas Goddard is the tight end one there now. I'm sorry. It's just true. Dallas Goddard is freaking amazing. Can I just say something? I actually, in one of my team, like I had Jonu Smith and my replacement is Zach Ertz, which is hilarious. But oh, so I'm not, guy. I'm not in on Zach Ertz. I just am forced to because there's no other options on the free agents or on, in the waiver wire. So I hope he plays well, but it's not guaranteed. Uh, you hate to see it. You also hate to see Irv Smith missing Wednesday and Thursday's practice with a groin injury and officially being ruled out. Earlier in the week, though, Kyle Rudolph, he has a nice new helmet that was reported. So as part of the Broncos debacle, Kyle Rudolph now has a speaker in his helmet just in case he has to be the emergency quarterback for the Vikings. And I mean, like, Kyle Rudolph is six foot six. So why hasn't John Elway signed him as a quarterback yet? Uh, I miss helmet news. Remember to the back of the days and last preseason with Antonio Brown? I'd l- I, would, I would love those days. There's a l- less chaos than we see today. Anyways, I'm getting off track. The Lions have activated Hunter, Breyer, Hunter Bryant off IR. Bryant dominated at the University of Washington and went undrafted. He looks set to return from a concussion. Doesn't really have much value now since he's playing behind TJ Hawkinson, who has become a fantasy star. Great dynasty news, though, because I am a Hunter Bryant fan. I think it might take him a little bit longer to develop, but love to see him for the future. Moving on to our kickers, Young Hueku is banged up with a quad injury, but the league's K1 should play in Week 13. If Ku were to miss, or if we need other help at kicker, though, who should we be looking to this week, Jason? Yeah, we're going to do it again. It's Zane Gonzalez. I mean, he gets the Rams with... Murray still having that stupid shoulder and driving me crazy with it. Granted, they say he's okay. I'm still iffy on it because it's an AC joint. Pretty sure. And with that in mind, it's just painful. It's a difficult one to get over. He looking less than spectacular. And with Ramsey shadowing Hopkins, this team could really struggle to score and we'll have to use Gonzalez. I mean, that's really the only option there with Murray not running. And then the other one is speaking of Weird issues. Kaimi Fairbairn. I mean, here he is again. The 
this week gets a tough defense yet again in the Colts. You're welcome. And they lost Will Fuller to suspension. So I think they're going to have to get points any way they can, and he's the best option there. And just make sure you're constantly checking the kicker waiver wire because you never know when someone is going to do something dumb, make a bad decision, drop Daniel Carlson, drop Roger Eagle Blankenship. Anyways, now that we have our kickers set, let's kick it to a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yep. I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. is going to bring us into our final segment and perhaps the most important especially this week because this is where we help you set our your lineups we will be starting with quarterback so just a reminder that at qb our trust our players currently rank outside the top 12 of the fantasy pros ecr and rostered in under 50 percent of leagues that we feel confident starting in the regular season finale plus on the other hand our quarterbacks that are ranked inside the top 12 for the ECR that we believe are going to miss expectations may cause you to miss those playoffs. So with that, it's time for Trust or Bust with the Nerd. Thanks for the intro, as always. So we'll start off with my trust. It's would have been Ryan Fitzpatrick. Makes a list if he plays, but with two up still up in the air, I'm going to have to go with one of my picks from the YouTube waiver show and Philip Rivers. 
he gets the Texans, and with him having foot issues, he will likely get rid of the ball a lot more quickly, making him even scarier because, you know, he loves dumping it off to Hines and your tight ends, and so he's going to really make a threat there, as well as Hilton loves to scorch the Texans when they play. So with that in mind, he's just a very scary threat, as well as, oh wait, Bradley Roby's out. The Texans' defense is going to drop a bit because he was also suspended. They already gave up 21.5 fantasy points to the quarterback, and I think Rivers can easily pull off that number. Oh, Jason, you're already my trust of the week with this pick. You know, it's a good spot for Rivers. You're right, he's starting to play a little bit better. He has three games of 20-plus fancy points over his last six games. And now now that we know that T.Y. Hilton isn't officially dead after what we saw last week, albeit in garbage time, we can expect his usual thrashing in Houston where he averages over 100 yards per game in his career. I, I'm not certain about this, guys, but I'm pretty sure that he is the primary owner of NRG Stadium. Oh, some bold calls from Jordan McDonald. So I definitely prefer the Fitzmagic here. You gotta trust this Harvard grad. For anyone who watches The Bachelorette and is into fantasy football, very niche market, but you know you can't trust Bennett. Good thing you can trust the beard Ryan Fitzpatrick. And as much as I've disparaged Phillip Rivers this year, we do have to acknowledge how bad this Texans defense is. Expect at least three TDs and an interception because it's Phil Rivers. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, he's kind of inconsistent in that area, but uh, we'll move on to the next one. The other is actually Steve, our boss's quarterback for the Scott Fishbowl playoffs. Congratulations, Steve. It's Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears get the Lions, who give up 21.1 fantasy points to the quarterback position. And Trubisky is similar to Ryan Fitzpatrick in the fact that he will shuck it and not care. Using Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and even David Montgomery in the passing game, he should be able to put up some really good numbers this week, and I am pumped for it. I will repeat. Mitchell Trubisky has thrown three touchdown passes against the Lions in four straight games. And in that span, the Lions have picked off Mitchell Trubisky, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, one time. That is all. God, I hate talking about Trubisky as a realistic starting option, but if there is a week to do it, it is a week when he's playing the Lions. Like Jack said, he's confident he's going to throw three touchdown passes. You know, maybe this team rallies together after the departure of Matt Patricia and shocks the Bears, but doesn't change the fact that this defense still stinks and can be scored on. And looking looking at last week, the game was ugly for Trubisky against the Packers on Sunday night, but he still ended up with a, a... Good 18.6, and that was including three turnovers. So, you know, I'm going to have to agree with you. If if it's a week you're going to play him, it's this week. Yeah, and while we were talking about this, I actually just thought of who I'd actually want for the 49ers, and it's Matthew Stafford. You know how awesome that would be for the 49ers to have Stafford there since they're clearly tanking for something in Detroit. So we'll move on to bust, but I had to get that out there because I literally just had it come to my mind, and I thought that was an awesome choice. Sorry. So, this is definitely the part I hate, doing bus, but I really think that this week it's going to be Deshaun Watson. I mean, he goes up against the Colts, who gave up 22.8 fantasy points to quarterbacks. However, Watson has just lost Fuller, and he will have Duke and David Johnson, but I think that they're going to line up as wide receivers because I don't know what else they're going to do. They need more help. They're waiting for Cobb to come back. Kuti is okay, but that backfield just doesn't look great. and. 
the, this big of change in the offense this late really just has me worried. Yeah, well, let's celebrate that our friend, our pal David Johnson, is returning from injury. And maybe they start using Duke more in, in, in the slot or as a receiver. But we'll we'll see. They not have much success in the run game, so you I mean, might as well. And Watson barely has any receivers. He doesn't have Fuller anymore. He doesn't have Cobb. He doesn't have Stills. So Kiki Kuti and Brandon Cooks are the guys now with a dash with Jordan Akins. If you're if you can get involved and 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 finally do something. I know he had that game against the Patriots, but that's about it. Playing against the Colts defense is going to be tough for him, and it sucks if you have Watson because he's most likely the best quarterback you have. But he he's still a stud. Let, let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, all I'm going to say is discount the Michael Jordan of the NFL at your own risk. That's that's from Dabo Sweeney. That's not from me. But Deshaun Watson is elite. So if anyone can make lemons out of this – or lemonade out of these lemons, it's number four. got to take Michael Jordan in the playoffs. Got to take Deshaun Watson when it counts. Yeah, and I have to roll with him because he's on my dynasty team, unfortunately. So we'll see how that goes. And my only other option is Drew Locke. So definitely playing Watson this week. I'll move on to my other bust, who is, I'm going to have to do it again, and say Kyler Murray. I mean, it's another horrible decision on my part, but I just don't trust him with that shoulder issue. He isn't running as much, which is a huge part of his game. He also gets the Rams, who have Ramsey covering Hopkins and Aaron Darnold getting into that backfield and disturbing anything that Kyler Murray could possibly do because he is a freak of nature just should see Donald in the backfield a lot causing too much havoc and I'm just completely off of Murray for those reasons for sure yeah I, I like Murray a little bit more than I like Watson this week just because Murray still has most of the guys around him minus fits but we'll see if Andy Isabella can step up if the shoulder does concern me, but what concerns me even more is that his rushing numbers have been down over the last two games. He only has five carries in each of his past two games. The Rams are the second best defense against opposing quarterbacks in fantasy. So all combined playing Murray could be extremely risky this week. Yeah, it's another bold decision, but it all comes down to the shoulder. And other than that, it's all about if they can contain Murray on the ground. So it's going to be hard to sit Murray this week, especially I'm a believer in go with who brought you to the dance. I'm a big fan of that at quarterback. But NFC West is a slugfest, not an ideal scenario here. As we move into running back, though, just a reminder, our trust here at RB, those who rank outside the top 24 in the ECR, so that would be an RB3 or lower, that we trust in our lineups for this week and our bus are players inside the top 24 that we think will miss expectations and could hurt you heading into the playoffs. Yeah, and my first pick is going to take us back to 2014, and it's Frank Gore. With Michael P. Ryan out, Gore is RB13. Yeah, you heard that right. Running back 13. He has put 15.1 and 11.6 fantasy points up since his bye the past two weeks. I mean, that's pretty awesome. He is also getting 15-plus carries for 60-plus yards, two-plus receptions for two 10-plus yards. I mean, decent numbers there, and Gase loves him, so that definitely helps his case for sure. He will be consistent, and this week he gets to go against the Raiders and should be useful yet again because, you know, it's Gase, and he doesn't know what he's doing, so he's going to run the ball as many times as he can. The Raiders give up 23 fantasy points to running backs or the 12th best matchup for running backs. I'm just saying. 
Adam Gase says he feels good about Frank Gore's workload going forward. I have no idea what that means. And I don't even know who's calling plays because they're doing this stupid thing where they won't tell us if it's Gase or Dwell Loggins because they think that matters for some reason. Uh, anyways, it's getting them to Trevor Lawrence, so I can't argue with it. Good job by Joe Douglas, the GM. Regardless, Gore is going to get the wood. He's going to get the work. And he's got a shockingly safe floor at 87 years old. Oh, sorry, 37? He's only 37 years old. Wow. He's got like six years left of his career. What? How, do you, how can you fade Frank Gore this week? Yeah, if you would have told me six years ago that he, we would still be talking about Frank Gore being a safe fancy option, I probably would have believed you. But my goodness, I've tried to stay away from the Jets' backfield all season. And then I bought into the Michael P. Ryan hype. And then I got burned. So now I'm back on fading the Jets' backfield. So I that's just me personally. I know Gore has safe numbers, but I still I, I still feel weary about playing a Jets running back. That's just me, though. Yeah, that RB13 on the past two weeks doesn't help you at all. But not, not, one, not one bet. Okay, I'm sorry. Fine, I guess I'll leave it be. We'll move into my next pick, who you'll like probably a little more because it's James White talking about another 2014 pick. Holy cow. He gets the Chargers who give up 26.5 fantasy points to the running back position or eighth best matchup for running backs. Besides that, since Burkhead has been out, he has put up 14.3 and 14.7 fantasy points. This is good for RB11 in the past two weeks. Just saying yet again, injury happens and he really shows up here. He was able to steal two TDs last week, really helped his week because, you know, Cam and Harris both failed to get in on one drive, but might just dance right in like it was nothing. So it's always impressive to see him do some work. I doubt that happens this week, however. I do see Cam checking down a lot to White as Joey Bosa gets after him. I know, Homer's call there, but I had to put him in because Joey Bosa is a beast and should be at the Pro Bowl for sure. So make sure you vote for that. This is where White has his value and will make his day. I'm expecting 10 to 12 targets for White. Gives him pretty safe floor this week. Can't go wrong here. Just to say, if we're advocating for Pro Bowl votes, make sure to vote for Rodrigo Blankenship. Anyways, I believe you had White as a trust last week. Am I wrong? I think you did. And if you did, good to one, Jason, because he he came out and he scored two touchdowns. He reemerges as arguably the safest back in this offense with Michelle coming back and nerfing Damian Harris just a little bit, but I think it's going to get worse as the season progresses. The Chargers have given up the seventh most receptions to running backs, so there's a chance based on the matchup and based on what you said, that we can see some vintage James White in this game. I was with you, Jordan, until you started advocating for Sony Michelle. Come on, man. That is just disgusting. So I, was, I wasn't advocating. I'm just saying that he's probably going to steal carries from Damien Harris, and that's just going to ruin both of them. Not buying it. So with Burkhead out last week, we saw and Sony Michelle in. Damien Harris played 68% of the snaps, led the team, gets 18 carry, or 14 carries. Of course, zero targets because the Patriots refused to throw to that position of the running back. White, he plays 37% of the snaps, just five carries and only one target, but did score the two touchdowns. So not as stable as you might think. Meanwhile, Sony Michelle, 2% of snaps, zero targets, zero carries. So I think the way they're working going forward, full two-man backfield. Sony Michelle, completely irrelevant. Kick him out the door. Damian Harris, the workhorse. And James White is going to get the uh, the little dump-offs and stuff. So both are in play against a dreadful Chargers team that needs to clean house. I'm hoping you're talking about the head offices because, man, I'm not happy with the coaching. I'm not happy with the front office. But the team is great. They have so many good options there. 
That's but, exactly what I mean. Don't worry. Okay. Wanted to make sure. Had to keep it up. That same point. I mean, you know, I'm just pumped because it's my team. And if only somebody had told you, like, I don't know, three or four, five, six weeks ago, whenever Damon Harris had his first game back, to pick him up on a wait, waiver show. That'd be so interesting, wouldn't it? Glad I did that. But we'll move into bust. And I, again, am going to hate myself for this because I'm actually sitting Alvin Kamara with Taysom Hill at quarterback. He's not getting the dump offs that he's used to. The targets aren't there. And Kamara is not the north-south runner that Latavius Murray is. Murray has seen more use and been more productive with Taysom Hill. I mean, it's horrible to say that I'm doing this, but I actually am in my leagues, which I, I don't know why. Because Kamara is clearly more talented. On top of that, though, Kamara has been dealing with a foot issue, and I can't help but not trust him. Also, surprisingly, the Falcons are only giving up 13.6 fantasy points per game to running backs, and they continue to look good, so I'm nervous about it. Yeah, I hate that your logic's right, but there's no way that I would bench Alvin Kamara the week before fantasy playoffs, no matter how poorly he's played over the past two weeks. And I know he hasn't been productive in the Taysom Hill era, but I am willing to wait to see if this becomes a trend, three games is a trend, before officially worrying. Both games played were complete blowouts, so it may have been a game script thing. Latavius Murray had those two touchdowns last week that could have easily gone to Kamara if they decided to go that way. But yeah, it does seem that Kamara's value has just completely plummeted in PPR just because of Taysom Hill's low passing numbers. So the logic is completely right, but Alvin Kamara is just too beautiful to reject. So if you had to choose, if you had to choose. Now, I've never agreed with Jason once. We fought on like 75 different fronts. When all is said and when all is done, Kamara has my vote, and it's probably going to kill me this week. I'm not expecting a big performance. Yeah, you're just getting too distracted by his grill. <clears throat> so, the other one I is definitely easier and a lot easier to buy into. But for some reason, experts have him as a top 24. And it's Giovanni Bernard. I mean, I'm not trusting him. The Dolphins are decent against running back. Allowing only 20.6 fantasy points to the position. But Gio is still losing touches to Piran since coming off the bye. He is RB41. Yeah, you heard that right. RB41. His only two quote-unquote good games were before the bye against Tennessee and Cleveland where Mixon went out and he put up over 20 points in each game. I doubt that happens again because it's ugly. I struggle to trust him and that offense, especially since now they don't have Joe Burrow. So I, I can't do it. Yeah, and since the bye, they have played three games and Gio has yet to see 10 or more carries in any of those games. And it's starting to become a he's starting to become part of a committee with P. Ryan, a little bit of Trayvon Williams, more more so P. Ryan. And that backfield has just lost all of its value uh, because of the injury and the assumption they will find themselves in more negative game script going forward. Yeah, I just really don't want to trust the guy in a committee with Brandon Allen under center. So T. Higgins is the only player I like in Cincy at all, and I don't even like him because the Dolphins have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard locking things down on the outside. So fade the entire Bengals offense in Week 13. Come back next week, though, when they face the Boys of Cow at home. That's going to bring us to wide receivers, and just a quick reminder that our trust at wide receiver are players that rank outside the top 36 so that's a wide receiver four or lower in the ecr that we can start this week and our bus set receiver are those that are inside the top 36 that we are expecting to miss expectations 
All right. So moving to trust. Man, my first option is when I see that Julio Jones had a light practice, he could easily be that trust because right now he's at wide receiver 52 in the consensus rankings. And if he plays, you have to play him. So other than wise, I am looking at Denzel Mims. Mims has shown up with Flacco and did so enough that Darnold has actually started to go to him. He has the talent. He has eight targets in each of his past three games, going over 60 yards and adding three or four receptions on each of those targets. So he's averaging about 10.3 fancy points. Not great, but this week should be decent. That should continue because he gets the Raiders, who allow 36.6 fancy points to wide receiver. I know, I'm pumped for the Raiders' defense, but it's because I really don't think they're going to allow a whole lot of touchdowns. And so, yeah, we'll go with that. Wow, Jason, two Jets players as your trust this week. I don't believe you. I don't think you have any faith in this Raiders defense. And based on how last week went for them, I don't blame you. I think Mims is a better starting option, at least in your flex, because I, I figured this would be a flex option. He better starting option than Gore would be just based on the ceiling that Mims has. And I know Gore's a safer option, but Mims has the target share. Like you said, eight targets those last three games. That's pretty legit. And this makes me sad because Crowder seems to be on his way to your league's waiver wire unless he can turn around. So thoughts and prayers go out to Jameson Crowder. Denzel Mims is a stud. He's going to finish as a top 15 wide receiver next year with Trevor Lawrence under center. And that's the bottom line because I said so. We'll see about this weekend, though. Yeah, I completely get it. That was an awesome line. Thanks for throwing that in there, Jack. I am going to be a homer this week. I mean, I guess I'm pretty much always homer, but I'm going to go with Mike Williams as my other trust. The reason I go with Mike Williams is because I think that Bill Belichick wants to take away Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. The Patriots give up 37.9 fancy points to wide receivers. With that in mind, Mike Williams and Hunter Henry get the bump up. I also like the fact that, you know, Mike is a bigger target. He seems to be out there more. And here's the hoping that Herbert and the Bolts can actually grab a win, which is a big stretch, but we'll see. Yeah, Bill Check, it will probably take away. I think he'll only be able to take away one of either Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler. And personally, I think it will be Keenan just because he can cause more damage to them. And therefore, I think Eckler is going to see another stupid amount of targets in this game. But as for Williams, no thank you. He is way too boomer bust for me to start him. And even with an emphasis on slowing down Keenan, I don't think it's enough to warrant a start for me, at least against one of the better pass defenses. He could break out, but it's, it's such a roll of the dice with Mike Williams, and it's sad because he's so talented, and he just seems to be underutilized every season. So we'll move into bus here, and I'll go with... I, granted, I am really tempted to put Parker here if Fitzpatrick isn't the quarterback. However, I'm going to go with Marvin Jones because, you know, the Lions clearly just hate their wide receivers at this point. Getting rid of Marvin Hall just blew my mind. So we're still on that. The Bears don't really go up a lot of fantasy points to wide receiver at 30.8, which is the seventh worst matchup for wide receivers. And Kenny G is out. So I'm just worried for his usage and getting a better coverage. The past two weeks, Marvin Jones is wide receiver 54. Yep, you heard that. Wide receiver 54. He has only had one good game, and that was against the Washington football team. Does that even really count? Definitely counts because Washington football team is a pretty good defense. And, you know, he did have 12 targets against the, who did they play? The Texans. Wow, that took me a second to think. He had 12 targets against the Texans in the Thanksgiving game last week, or as, as we like to call it, Matt Patricia's last game ever as an NFL head coach. Yes, I said that. 
So I can justify starting him in deeper leagues, deeper PPR leagues as a flex option, just because the opportunity is there. And now that Marvin Hall is even gone, that just makes him even more valuable. So don't expect a lot, but you know, if he gets a few catches here and there and puts up 50 yards, gets you at least a 10 points. That's not terrible. I think Jason's right on all fronts here. Parker is a definite play if the beard from Harvard is in, but if Tour is under center, you can't trust him. That's going to be a game time decision for us in the fantasy community. Marvin Jones, on the other hand, is unstartable. And so in week one, when they played the Bears, Kenny Galladay was out then. Marvin Jones, four grabs on eight targets, just 55 yards. He was the wide receiver 48 on the season. Completely erased by rookie Jalen Johnson. Other than that week against Washington, he's had one finish as a wide receiver 16 against Indy because he scored two touchdowns. And then his next best finish is wide receiver 35. He has been horrible. Yeah, and I can't help but laugh at you not remembering that they played the Texans because everybody gave $13 to <laughs> signify, oh, thank you so much, Watson, for completely destroying the Lions and getting rid of Matt Patricia for everybody. Thought that was a hysterical joke. Love to see all the news on it. Now, the next one, I'm going to say Debo Samuel. With Ayuk back, I think there aren't enough targets. I am going to say that Tredavious White will likely cover Debo, and Ayuk has shown to be a better flyer, and it only takes one for him. With him siphoning targets from Debo, I'm worried that Debo values tanks. Again, he's also dealing with an injury right now. So with that in mind, I just can't trust him. I'm also worried that the area that the Bills are the weakest are against the run. And as we all know, the 49ers love to run the ball. Most are just back and should definitely feast here. Yeah, I get your logic here. I'm not too worried about the injury. I think that what happened in practice this week was just a maintenance thing. So I wouldn't look too much into that. You know, his value should be reconsidered heading this week. And I know the massive game against the Rams will have him on a pedestal this week. So I think that... That's not sustainable with Ayuk returning. But I still think that Debo should have starting consideration. But I will say, full disclosure, I'm being biased because I'm forced to play Debo in a must-win game in one of my teams that has Mike Evans and Robbie Anderson. So I am trying to put out as much positive vibes for Debo that I can this week. Oh, no, that's a rough one. That will bring us to tight end, where our trust are players outside the top 12 that are rostered in under 50% of leagues that we like this week, and our buster players that are ranked inside the top 12 on the Fantasy Pros ECR that we believe will miss expectations. Now, I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do and freak out, man. While Logan Thomas is appealing here, I'm going to go crazy and go with Dalton Schultz. Did you guys watch the game Wednesday? Did you see how many targets Eric Geekbron got? Holy cow. Also, Andy Dalton loves, da- loves Dalton. Ha <laughs> ha. Like that one. And would have loved Blake Jarwin. Pour one out. My bad. But it's fine. Baltimore gives up 12 fantasy points to tight end. Over the past two weeks, Dalton Schultz is tight end 13. Yeah, I'm all in on this one. Jason may not have mentioned Logan Thomas as a trust, but... He manages to stay on brand by mentioning Jake Jarwin, or Blake Jarwin in week 13. Schultz is seeing enough targets and producing to be considered in that tight end streaming range, but like most streamers, could end up crashing and burning. So the matchup is not great on paper, but the Cowboys have essentially had a bye week to recuperate from their embarrassing loss from the football team. So I think there's some value here. So it's not the worst guy you could start. Yeah, yeah, it's completely fine. I have to keep Jarwin because, man, he is one of my favorite players. And I am so right, and he would have been so good. 
Move on to the next option. Ha, it isn't Burton, even though he has another good day. He is a great play. Sorry, I'm going even more risky here. As we kind of brought it up, I think that Jordan Aikens has to step up in my mind against the Colts with Will Fuller out. Watson has shown some favoritism to him as a tight end. And the Colts actually give up 16 fantasy points to the tight end position. So here's to hoping. Again, I would not do it because, you know, there there is some appeal for the tight end streamers just because, yeah, there's a lack of pass catchers at Watson's disposal. But the Colts give up the fourth, fourth least amount of points to opposing tight ends. And Aikens hasn't really established himself as a consistent option yet. But hopefully he can because he would be a nice player to have down the stretch. Kind of like Tyler Higby last year. Maybe not that high, but a guy like that who could push you over the edge in the finals. Now let's go. I am all for the Jordan Aikens hype. Give it to me. The man had should have had two TDs last week. Had over 80 yards the week before. He has the juice. And he's part of the reason why I'm trusting Deshaun Watson this week. Yeah, so moving to bus, and I was all set because, man, I was so pumped to talk about Johnny Smith. Him being so bad over the past week because he wasn't even targeted last week. Even being tied in 14 over the past week behind, oh, yeah, even Logan Thomas. Ah, oh, I'm so frustrated. But we'll move on to my other option, which you guys actually seem to like. And I'm more on the shepherd train here. But Evan Ingram with Daniel Jones being potentially doubtful. Cole McCoy comes in. I don't think he will continue to feed Ingram, who was being fed by Jones. Granted, Jones didn't care if he dropped the ball. I think Colt might because who knows? He wants a better option and to actually try and look good and maybe have a continuation of his job. With his drops, I think Shepard sees the majority of the targets. And, you know, Gallman's actually looked good. So, with that in mind, every on the player on the team is a better pass catcher than Evan Ingram. I hate to say it, but he just has not looked good. So, I am out on Evan Ingram this week. I completely disagree. I, I know he's not a sexy tight end option, but if you have him, you have to play. And the matchup looks pretty good, especially in the situation that the Giants have found themselves in. He actually leads the Giants in targets, which completely shocked me. I know Sterling Chapman has been hurt and Golden Tate's dealt with his own issues, but even over Darius, Darius Slayton, I was surprised. Yeah, and I think Colt McCoy, like I said, will rely on him if they get down early against Russ the Seahawks, which is more likely to happen than not. So honestly, I would take Ingram over the two guys they list as trust, if I'm being honest. Alec, we saw Engram's ceiling last week. That was fantastic, don't get me wrong. But are you really going to bet on Evan Engram hitting the ceiling two weeks in a row? you really going to trust this man with your fade on the line? That's like trusting Andre Iguodala to take a three-point three shot over Steph Curry. So, the other option, <clears throat> I would have easily faded Mike Jacecki this week if Patrick isn't the quarterback. But, since it's really contingent on that, I'm going to say... Kyle Rudolph with Thielen coming back and Ersmith, you know, he's out, but Thielen has been the red zone hog. Okay. Rudolph becomes an afterthought. Rudolph is very dependent on clearly Smith and Thielen being out, which Thielen's back. So that's not great. Jacksonville allows 13.1 fantasy points to the tight end. And I think that it's just not going to happen for him this week. I can't get on board. And I don't know why experts are so in on him because Jefferson and Thielen clearly carry this team and if you must throw in cook because they might throw to him a couple times fine jason we should feel vindicated about correctly correctly predicting rudolph as a sneaky play with Thielen and her out 
Irv Smith out last week. So, and on cue, I'm with you on the Rudolph fade. His, like you said, his value is completely based on whether or not the players around him are active. And since both of the guys that missed last week are on track to play, don't consider him as a streaming option this week, even against a pitiful Jags team, because it's probably just going to be uh, a touchdown to salvage your day. And that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 13 Preview Show. Thank you once again for tuning in. Hopefully we can guide you to the playoffs in this ride or die weekend. And a big thank you goes to the man, the myth, the start-sit legend, Jason Draven. What a start-sit that was. You really saved the best for last year. So with that, do you have any parting words for all your fans out there set to profit off of your advice? Nah, man, just come and hit me up in the Fantasy Life app. I'm pretty much always in that Start Sit community, so if you can, hit me up there. Otherwise, uh, pretty available, and I'm excited to watch football. And even more importantly, I have been so pumped watching basketball. Granted, it looks super weird for college basketball, but we'll see how it ends up going, and I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Be sure to follow Jason at that FF nerd for all your start, sit, and waiver wire needs. You can find him on the FLA Fantasy Life app. You can find him on Twitter. And I truly cannot stress to you how much work this guy does. But of course, it's not just Jason. It's the always fabulous Jordan McDonald helping to guide us in our journey to the fantasy playoffs. Jordan, do you have any parting words for all our friends tuning in to get ready for an extremely fun and extremely stressful weekend? Yeah, everybody, good luck if you're reaching for the playoffs here. If you have a tough matchup, I know I got a few, so I'll be with you on this journey together. And just, you know, be safe and have a great week. Watch football. Be sure to follow Jordan at Donald McJordan and be sure to follow along with the fantabulous work that all the important nonsensers are putting out on the daily on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. Thank you all for joining me. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. I've been so delighted getting to preview the weekend lineup for you once again. I'll be back on Sunday for the Week 13 recap show, along with my co-host at The Real NWB, Newall Spruce, and at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey. So until then, make sure you're taking care of yourself, especially in these winter months as the weather turns gray, because you are awesome. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!